And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our listening and viewing audiences. This is Stan the Fan. I'm here along with Craig Heist, and I don't believe you see him at the moment, but Kyle Ottenheimer is in here doing his seven-day-a-week imitation. He thinks this is work, Craig. Well, you know. Could be worse. I know that's not Bonza 2, but that's yeah, for sure. That's the voice of God. All right, Kyle Ottenheimer riding us, uh, riding shotgun over us today. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. Craig, I'm just back from... Uh, Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, where's your tan? I've, I'll tell you, the older I get and the more you deal with, you go to your dermatologist and you got, this could be a cancerous, you you, you know, you love being around the sun. In the old days, you used to like to be in the sun, mm-hmm. uh, do a lot more hiding than I used to. Okay. Anyway. Um there are other reasons but to hide, But that's not because too. of the sun. Right, exactly. <laughs> there, are other, there are other reasons to hide. Uh, here's what we've got for you. Uh, I'm just back from Sarasota. We'll talk uh, with Craig and I. We'll talk about Alex Cobb signing and its repercussions here in Birdland. And uh, the overall spring that the Orioles have had, both on the field and off the field. It's been very interesting. Um, Rich Dubroff, who covers the Orioles for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com, will join us in just a little bit. Hold on, I'm just doing one thing here. Now my, okay, I almost had it perfectly today. But, okay, I think I just did it. This has been shared. Okay. Um, Rich Dubroff will join us from PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com at about 1020. Craig Heist went fishing for a guest and grabbed us Mike Bordick, the big fish, uh, from uh, MassInSports.com, Oriole Hall of Famer. We'll talk to him about how much more solid this rotation is and what its repercussions are in the locker room. Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, will join us. There aren't any games to really promote until June, but we'll talk to him about what the season uh, holds in, in store for Aberdeen Ironbird fans and those around the area. Uh, and we'll talk to him because he's been around spring training a fair amount over his career, mostly out in Arizona, and we will chat with him uh, about some good springtime stories. And then, closing it out at about 11.35, Doug Fernandez of the Herald Tribune of Sarasota will join us to talk about the Orioles' uh, importance to the community there, how they're fitting in over, what's it been now, nine years, ten years? I think so, something like that. Yeah, um, they've become an important part of the community in Sarasota, and um, the town is orange, let's say that. Uh, he'll join us uh, then. Craig, um, you know, we've heard about it all winter long, the rumors of who they were going to go after. We knew that the the U Darvishes and the Jake Ariettas were not going to be within the Orioles' price range or real interest level uh, to lock in that long. But they ended up, it was late, but they ended up grabbing, like I said about Mike Bordick, a big fish out of the pond 
and paid him more than any pitcher in the history of the Baltimore Orioles will make. Yeah, that's right, and it's a four-year, $57 million deal for Alex Cobb. And, uh, you know, when you think about it on the surface, when the Ariettas were done and, and, and some of the other guys went by the wayside, you think about a guy like Cobb stand for this division, for this team, and it really kind of makes the most sense out of all of them that were out there. Were there better guys out there? Yeah, I think so. But for Alex Cobb to stay in the American League East where, uh, you know, with his time with the Rays, six seasons. uh, I mean, he's battle-tested in the American League East. 48 and 35 and an ERA of 3.50. And when you stop to consider that the starters' ERA on this team last year was over five, collectively as a staff they had a 4.97 ERA. One of the worst in club history. One of the worst in club history. And, and this, this really, to me, solidifies uh, a large part of what they had to do before the season starts uh, next Thursday. Uh, you're hoping for, for a bounce-back year from Chris Tillman. You've got Gosman and Bundy at the top, and Bundy is going to start opening day. And I thought that was hilarious how that all came down because he accidentally said it on Masson during the broadcast. And they were planning to release it the and next day. The next day, and, uh, you know... <laughs> Bundy just comes out and says, "I'm honored to be the <laughs> to be the starter opening day," and, and Bundy's such a good guy, you know. It's it's interesting about Bundy, though. You know, I, listen, I, I play fantasy baseball, so you want to try and believe in the numbers, and his numbers did not look good. And then all of a sudden, he gets named opening day starter, and he went out yesterday five innings, one hit. You know, well, I mean, one run. Yeah, uh, and you think about Gosman in the spring. Gosman yep. had a, just an awful outing his first time out, and then the next two were, been lights, were out. lights out. Yeah, I think so. that Bundy is the – a lot of times with spring training stats, people say put an asterisk next to it or throw it out the window altogether mm-hmm. because oftentimes pitchers are just working on one thing in particular, right, like one pitch. And Bundy's arsenal is so, I think, refined for his age – that I would definitely see him as the kind of pitcher that uses spring training for a reason. Sure. Right? Goes out there with the starts and actually, you know, I'm going to work on my cutter this start. I'm going to work on my, my curve this start. I'm going to work on, you know, my fastball location. And probably only that. So when he gets to the opening day, I'd imagine he'll probably look a lot more polished. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I think that that perhaps is how Kevin Gosman in the past has approached spring training. But I think after the last two years, I think he's sort of kicked himself in the butt. And maybe it's gotten a little urging of like, hey, treat this like it means something. Show, you know, get get the the game face on earlier. And uh, he he's been. I did not see him down there. Unfortunately, I saw Mike Wright start two games out of the four or five I saw, <laughs> but I I didn't see Gosman. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny. I I'm reading some of the quotes by Rich in his column yesterday about uh, how the staff is much more improved now than it was at the start of spring training. And when you read some of the quotes from Gosman and Bundy in terms of Gosman saying, well, you know, we, we, this kind of took us all by surprise. Not that the Orioles were going to maybe sign another guy, but the fact that it's Cobb and the fact that, uh, as we're talking about, you know, the experience in the American League East, that can only help these guys, I think. He's battle-tested. Uh, he's not going to start the season with the club. He's probably 
uh, going to be around uh, probably mid-April, and then uh, you know extended spring training to build up the arm, and then we'll see what happens. What is the latest on Cobb going to the minors? Is it going to technically be an option, or are they going to keep him on the 25-man roster? There seemed to be a little bit of debate by that, and I heard from Glenn when I was on the show yeah. the other day. I happened to miss Buck that day. I was under the impression, I think I saw a tweet from Dan Connolly, that, that there was some sort of mutual agreement between Cobb and the Orioles where, look, he has to agree at any time yeah. whether or not he would be sent to the minors, but that he would start off in the minors until about mid-April willingly and just get up to speed get his arm strength up but there seemed to be some type of maybe it was over the concern by the club that he would be upset about play service time that they were going to keep him on the 25-man roster i think he's accepted an option though i think that's the case i'll double check though well and we can ask rich (laughs) yeah that's exactly right hey want to remind you of one other thing today uh, there's a historic march in Washington called the March for Our Lives. They're expecting, I think, a half a million to 750,000 kids to go there to march for some type of meaningful gun legislation that might help them be safer in the classrooms. Our friends at Jmore uh, and their website, jmoreliving.com, all day today, they're going to be live with updates from the March for Our Lives. They've got about 10 kids embedded down there that are going to be reporting uh, to jmoreliving.com. I think that's pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, anyway, uh, the Orioles. Craig, uh, we know that it's a it's a big deal that they signed Cobb for the money that he's getting. You and I, I think, probably would rather have had another pitcher be the highest-paid pitcher in Oriole history. Uh, does this does this signal something different in the management of the club that they were willing to go here, that, that they beat Ubaldo's contract and then some? Well, I think it does to some degree, and only time, I think, will tell on that. But there seems to be a willingness maybe uh, to, to go in a different direction as opposed to what we've seen in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm of the impression, Stan, from what I hear, that uh, uh, Peter Angelos may not be as involved in what's going on now with this club. That's what I'm hearing, the same thing, you know, that John is much more much involved, more involved and, and hands-on, yeah. exactly. And yeah. if that happens, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a different philosophy. Yeah, you've got a fresh set of eyeballs uh, looking at things. Right. You know, it's been interesting to see the kids' free zone uh, the kids cheer free zone. And I want to say right now, I give the Orioles all the credit in the world for that. Uh, you're going to have a, uh, an opportunity to bring your kids to games in the upper deck uh, and bring them for free. And, uh, you know, with all this talk that we hear on various levels about getting kids more involved in the game and the interest, because in this day and age of electronics and and, and video games and things of that nature, uh, you know, the, the kid's attention span has shifted to different things, if you will. And, and I know, Stan, you growing up, me growing up, maybe even Kyle growing up. Uh, the, you, Kyle's not grown up yet. Okay. He hasn't grown up yet. I don't even know if I will. Okay, well, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
And uh, but but I think that only only childlike minds would work here. That's you right. know, Glenn Clark, <laughs> Ken Zalas, exactly. Stan the Fan, yeah. right? But I, I, Sarita I, Hubbard. There you go. I just think that in this day and age of video games and attention spans being uh, pulled in many different directions by our youth, that everybody talks about getting kids playing the game again. Well, I think this gets kids a chance to get interested in the game again. And for that matter, I I really think the Orioles have done a great job with this promotion, and I'm very interested to see how it goes this year. Yeah, I hope it's uh, successful. You know, uh, the first month of the season can be tricky with weather, and the kids still are in school, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. I also like the fact that they – proactively reached out and worked out a deal with the Naval Academy Mm -hmm. that's going to have the Naval Academy play a doubleheader tomorrow at Camden Yards against Army. Uh, And then also next year, the Orioles are going to play an exhibition game there against a major league club. So, uh, again, a lot of things going in the right directions uh, from a PR standpoint in that regard. But, uh, again, uh, all of this, I think, really, Stan, is to get people interested again in the game if they weren't already. Uh, so, so good, you know. Kudos to the Orioles for that. All right, I agree totally. Oops, something went wrong. Okay, thank you. Not with that, with anything that we're doing, right? No, just okay. I, I. Don't scare me like I that. I went to my Facebook page, spent about thirty seconds. I'll fill you in. seconds typing away at mm-hmm. what we got on the show, and I hit it. It something says, went something went wrong. We're working on getting it fixed as soon as possible. As Thank a, you as very a, much as a for producer, wasting about 90 seconds as of a my producer time. Tip, as a producer tip, Stan, yeah. before I get ready to submit anything like that with a full paragraph of text that I just yeah. spent time writing, I'll always copy and paste it before I submit it. Just in case that happens, good, and then you just have it available. Very good you know? point. Very but good uh, point. here's the dilemma right now on Facebook Live. Yeah. So the two shot, we got your beautiful faces, both of you, in there. Right. And that's, that's what we want. Thing. I know that's what yeah. we want. I have reason to believe if I were to try to go to a three shot, which would have my not beautiful face in it, right. that it would make everything all thrown off and it might mess everything up. But when my 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 way of looking at this is with your voice, we, we don't really need don't it. need to see your face. Fair enough. All right. There you go. As long as we're good with that, I'm with it. See. All right. Cool. All right. What what do you think the problem is? Uh, is it the same Facebook problem that I just? Uh, no, 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 no. It's with the software that we use to broadcast. It's not right. a problem per se, unless we make it a problem. But we're not okay. going to make it a problem. All right. Anyway, I like that. All right. <laughs> anyway, we got an interesting bevy of guests on the show. Uh, today with Rich Dubroff, Mike Bordick, Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, Doug Fernandez at Herald Tribune of Sarasota. Craig, one other thing that I think can often be overlooked when you make a signing of this nature, I think we'd agree that over the last year, I'm not saying players check out mentally, but I would think that the Manny Machados of the world, the Adam Joneses of the world, um, who else? You know, uh, the uh, Darren O'Day, Jonathan Scope, I think they've come to believe that the Orioles are going about business one certain way, and they look around and they see Mike Wright, Nelson Cortez, Gabriel Noah before he got hurt, and go, I guess that's who's going to be our fifth starter. Um, what do you think the impact of a Cobb signing like this can be in the locker room, you you are around those guys. Yeah, like and, and I think I think it'd be nothing but a positive. <clears throat> pardon me, a positive thing. 
from the standpoint of the the players who are here, when you think of an Adam Jones, a Machado, a Scope, all guys that want to win, when they see a Cobb brought in who's had success in this division and can help a ball club, not just by his record and what he does on the on the mound, but the innings, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think it, it revitalizes their energy a little bit. And, and I think and, it does it even more so in the managerial office. Well, I think, I think so, Buck too. I think Buck Showalter, he's never going to throw a player under the bus. But you can't tell me he loves sitting there after the games that Miley and Jimenez and Tillman pitched well, and, last year and, and sort of try and put lipstick on a pig. Right, and what did Buck say last this past winter during FanFest? He says, you know, we don't get some pitching. I might not be here right. after next year. Right. So he knows what 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 adding a guy like this means to this club, and he knows also what he has in the makeup of Chris Tillman. If Chris Tillman can regain any kind of form that he had before his injury problems, and 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 become a pitcher that can be a reliable guy to send out there every fifth day then that's going to really enhance this ball club. Yeah. I think for this season, you're looking at Chris Tillman as a good word, be, being reliable, not elite. I think right. a couple years ago, we thought he was one step away from being an elite level. His winning percentage was really, really good for about three years, uh, and his numbers were good. They weren't great. But I think right now, if he could just give you – if he starts 29 to 30 games and keeps you in 22 of them, you know, where he pitches six innings or more, I think you'd be very satisfied with that Chris Tillman. I think so, too. Let me ask you this, too, and that's uh, you were down there for a week uh, in terms of uh, watching games at Ed Smith Stadium. Yeah. Uh, what was your general thought on the netting going down the lines beyond you know, the it's dugout? It's funny. I expected it to seem like it had more of a visual impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and down there, I'm up in the press box a couple rows, but I do walk. You know, you've been there. You right. walk down to go interview pitchers that come off, or at the end of the game, you see an inning as you're walking. And it didn't didn't bother didn't me bother, in the yeah. least. It felt it felt safer mm-hmm. for the fans. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Nats Park. Took that initiative last year for the mm-hmm. first time, uh, but the first place I saw that was right. at Joker Marchant Stadium in uh, Lakeland, Lakeland right. where the Tigers are, and it it, it went down the line, and, and especially during batting practice, they took some of it up during batting practice, but that was one of the first places I saw that did it. And I was like, that's very interesting. I wonder. And then as we, a couple of years went by, yeah, we, we had, had some incidents in, in New York stands, with the right? infant, you know, right. that got hit. Then, then, then you almost had to think that Major League Baseball was going to make that a mandatory thing. Yeah. All right. Joining us right now from Sarasota, Florida, where he will be just for a couple more days, is Rich, uh, Rich Dubroff. I started to say Rich Bordick. Rich Dubroff. <laughs> I like that name better. Rich Dubroff joins us. Rich, you ever give much thought to changing your name to Rich Bordick? <laughs> uh, I, ha- I, ha- I hadn't. Okay, uh, but you I might now. Mike has given his net. Mike has considered changing his name to Dubroff. So. <laughs> really? Mike, Mike Dubroff. There you I go. I like that. I like that. Hey, uh, we're kicking around the uh, tires uh, on all aspects of the Alex Cobb signing. You're in there with the players. How did this go over? Um, you know, did it add a little pep to everyone's step? It sure did, Stan. 
you know, the starting pit, the starting pitchers were excited. The position players, you know, were excited because this does, you know, this does, if Cobb and the others pitch up to their capabilities, make them, you know, a competitive team. And that's all, you know, for the moment you can ask for. Uh, and I think that, you know, at the beginning of spring train, sorry, the beginning of the off season, when we talked all the time about prospective free agents, well, I kept saying that Alex Cobb was sort of their ideal signing because right. he was the top of the second tier. And I didn't know, I didn't think that he would sign with him. I thought that he could, uh, but to get him and Kashner and then have Tillman as a fifth starter, well, I think that makes them, you know, potentially a competitive club. So I don't know how you, I mean, the, the club still has a lot of uh, questions, but I, I think that it's nothing but a positive. Well, one of those questions I think going forward is that, okay, you got Cobb in the fold along with Tillman and Kashner and then the, the two young guys in, in Gosman and Bundy at the, for everybody's thinking the top of the rotation, but you know that how the game is and how it works, Rich, uh, you're probably going to need seven or eight along the line that Buck Showalter is going to have to depend on. How do you think that works out from a roster standpoint as we go forward? Well, one of the problems with the roster, Craig, is, uh, is the bullpen, as it's going to be constituted, is not going to be very flexible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could be very, ta- it could be talented. And you mean flexible, you mean flexible, like you mean flexible in the way of optionable pieces. Correct. Okay. Uh, because so far, you know, there are five known parts to the bullpen. Uh, you know, Darren O'Day, Brad Brock, who are veterans, Richard Blyer, and Michael Gibbons, who are, who, who have options, but they're so good that they're not likely to be options. Uh, and Pedro Orojo, a Rule 5 guy who can't be optioned. So, right. and, and then the other two guys uh, could come from Nestor Cortez, Mike Wright, uh, or uh, Miguel Castro. Now, Castro could, be op- Castro could be optioned, so that's one. Wright can't be optioned. So, and Nestor Cortez, if they use him, is a rule five pick who can't be optioned. So for the starters, that makes things, you know, that makes things a little uh, tenuous. And and the good thing about, I think, the Cobb signing is it lessens the, uh, lessens the temptation for them to rush Hunter Harvey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think that they very well might, they very well might have. So this way, if the five starters are healthy, uh, then, you know, and they somehow need a sixth starter because of rain or something, then, you know, then Wright or Castro could, you, uh, could you know, step in there. You know, it's interesting. I, I think they, you're absolutely right that they would have been tempted if, if the fifth starter was Mike Wright or Castro and he was struggling and it's June 1st, I think they would have been tempted to bring up a Hunter Harvey. But I don't throw out the idea that Hunter Harvey could be Ironically, what the late Sammy Stewart was, a guy that could be brought up maybe July 1st and give you about 30 innings, but critical innings in ball games in the 4th sure. to the 6th sure, inning. Sure, but they don't need, 
you know, necessarily to have him as a start, yeah, as a yeah. starter. But it's just going to be fascinating because I think the whole, uh, the whole bullpen is uh, potentially much, much deeper than we would have imagined because the final roster decisions haven't been made, and there are a couple of guys on there, Josh Edgen and Joely Rodriguez, who in other years would have with a less deep with a much less deep bullpen would have made the club and now they're questionable whether they are and also Jimmy Yakabonis who was sent down this week uh certainly uh would have made the club in other years and he's you know he's going to be stretched out as a starter too just as uh you know as, as a depth piece but Yakabonis is another guy uh who could uh you know who could help him so i think that their bullpen, uh, their bullpen is much deeper, and the Cobb signing just helps both the starting rotation and the bullpen. Well, for me, from Mike Wright's standpoint, uh, I'm almost about ready to give up on this idea of him being a starter. Uh, I see him more of a power guy out of the pen for a, an inning or so, maybe a little bit more, but nothing more. Uh, and I think he could be very beneficial to the club in that role, but I mean, I see him go through the lineup once, and then that's fine. Second time through the lineup, he's got all he, kinds of problems. He's got all kinds of problems, Rich. Well, the, the only reason that he was being considered the starter, Craig, as you know, was because they didn't have. Yep. Uh, you yeah. know, they couldn't they didn't count the five. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember right before spring training when I was on, you asked me who I thought the five starters were going right. to be, and I said, "Well, Bundy, Gosman, Castro." Uh, Chris Tillman and a player from out a, a guy we don't know. Right. And I thought that was going to be Kashner because I thought that Castro would be better as a starter than than Wright. Uh, but you know there are a lot of questions about Wright as a as a reliever. Yeah. You know whether he can you know whether he can come back quickly. You know he did a little bit last he did a little bit last year uh, and then he was hurt. So I think that it's going to be uh, interesting. You may see Wright start a game or two uh, until Cobb is ready, uh, and then uh, you know, and then I think you'll see him in the you'll see him in the bullpen. But again, he's an unoptionable piece too. So I'm gathering from what you're saying that you think now at the at the last hour that maybe with the, with trying to add some depth to the rotation that they may feel that Castro would be better going to Norfolk and starting and being ready in case there's an injury. Yeah, but that may not happen right at the top either. Okay. You know, that may be, that that could be a move when Cobb is, you know, so, when so, Cobb's ready because he's the only one okay. who can be optioned. But but they can't, get they, rid of, they can't get rid of Edgen, though, correct? They can not They can try to option him, but he'd he have to pay. Well, no, no, no. He, they're on minor league deals. Edgen and Joely Rodriguez are on minor, minor league, league deals. Culture. Uh, they also, I think, have opt-outs, so that's kind of complicating too. Uh, they could, if they don't make the club, they could ask for their release and then look elsewhere. But they can simply be reassigned to, for now, to 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 the minors. But once they would be called up, then they would not have options. One thing that I think that uh, what Stan and I were talking about. Uh, and what what he did ask you about kind of off the top was the the kind of you know a jump in the step around the Oriole clubhouse with the signing of Cobb 
But as you so pointed out in your column yesterday, when you think about Cobb and you think about him pitching in Tampa in the American League East over the last six seasons, and you look at 48 and 35 with a 3.50 ERA, uh, that's some pretty good numbers in this division for a team uh, kind of mediocre in a lot of ways, but uh, they did have some success. But really, on that Tampa club, those are some pretty impressive numbers. Right, you are, Craig. But I think that one of the things that's going to be a challenge for him is pitching in Baltimore. He's only pitched in Baltimore a few times. His ERA in Baltimore is not great. And he was pitching, uh, you know, a lot of those games in Tropicana Field, which is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. So uh, I, I think that's interesting. But on the other hand, he'll have, you know, a much better, he'll have a really good offense behind him. They can score a lot of runs, and their their defense looks pretty good. So it, I think it, it it's as I said earlier, it's all good when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to his addition. I think. Rich, uh, we're talking with Rich Duboff for Pressbox, PressboxOnline.com. Uh, we don't have to get into the the all the the ramifications about what's going on, but it's been pretty clear the last month that uh, the club sort of has a new set of eyeballs that are managing things uh, corporately, and that's John Angelos. Uh, Do you think that this signing signals some type of sea change in how the club may appreciate and be willing to take risk on pitchers? Well, I don't know. I mean, they... Uh, they took a risk on a pitcher four years ago in Ibaldo Jimenez and signed him to a pretty similar uh, contract uh, to Alex Cobb in, in present-day dollars. So uh, I think that they saw that this was an opportunity. They, they saw that this was an opportunity. I know uh, Buck Showalter then and now, uh, you know, kind of felt that the Orioles had to had a go with the times if if the market said that it was going to take a four-year deal to get a free agent, you know, a top free agent pitcher, then go, you know, then go for it. Uh, you know, Dan Duquette had said at the winter meetings that he didn't expect, uh, he didn't think that it was necessarily good business to, to give pitchers four and five-year contracts. But, you know, they had, you know, they had an opportunity here in, uh, you know, because this guy, was probably, I think, the third best free agent pitcher behind uh, uh, Hugh Darvish and Jake Arrieta. So I think that this was certainly, you know, certainly something unusual. Yeah, it was definitely different, but you got to remember that we were a couple starts away in September from having Wade Miley offered a $12.5 million option, and they were they were they were on the fence with that until he really fell apart those last three or four starts yeah but you know the thing but that was also sort of uh that was sort of a little bit of desperation and one thing uh that we i guess haven't pointed out a lot is that the the uh the first five the five starters and all the guys we've mentioned other than cortez are all right-handers and miley was a you know miley was a left-hander and they're not a lot of uh, yeah. you know left-handed starters. Much uh, rather have five. Much one. rather have five capable right-handed starters than well, four right-handers that, that, and that Wade Miley. Exactly yeah. what they you know is that, yeah. that is exactly what their feeling is. I mean, I got to be honest with you, uh, and this is off the Orioles for a second. 
I have a great deal of respect for this guy. I've never met him or talked to him. The guy who's the general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. But to go out and spend the money they did and the talent they did to acquire Kane and then um, Yelich and turn around and your two big additions to your pitching staff are Wade Miley and Giovanni Gallardo? Well, and Miley's got a groin injury I know, now. he's got so a groin yeah. injury. The, the Brewers are lucky for that. Believe me. Anyway, that's off on a different tangent. Uh, Craig, so, I mean, Rich, make your best guess as to the bullpen beyond the, the regular five because uh, we're only four days away. Who do you think is up here? Well, obviously, Arahu has made the club. Yeah. And that's the five. And I, my guess is it's going to be uh, Miguel, Ca- Miguel Castro and uh, Nestor Cortez. That's the guess. But again, you know, it, it could be. Uh, I think that I think that they're going to go with Castro because he he kind of intrigues them, and he's a left hand. You know, when he's a left hander who can go multiple innings, and they don't have that. You so mean Cortez? You guess. said you said either, Castro. Me, for now, it's either Castro or you know, or Josh Edgen or Joely Rodriguez. So you have them doing what with Mike Wright? Oh, you think he's Mike the fifth Wright starter? Would be the temporary. Okay. Mike Wright would be the temporary fifth starter. Gotcha. I would. Gotcha. Think. Do they actually return Mesa to the Yankees, or do they? They returned do... him to the Yankees when they well, actually, they designated him for assignment. Okay. They think that they may have. They may try and work out a deal. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, to, to keep him. Dan doesn't like to, to get give him up. Back. Yeah. Uh, but they, they did that when they signed Alex Cobb. Okay. One question about Cobb. It was unclear the other day, but I think we've got clarity. He is actually going to be optioned, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, he is going to be, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be optioned because he's healthy. He's healthy and they can't, because he's on the forty-man roster, they, they he can't be put on the disabled list. Gotcha. gotcha. Because he's not because he's healthy. Right. I mean, the easiest thing would say, "Oh yeah, let's put him on the ten-day disabled list with something." Uh, but he's health. But he's healthy. You know, he just passed their physical. Yep. So, uh, so he can't be put on the disabled list. He has agreed to be optioned. He uh, because he has over five years of service time. He can. Uh, refuse to be optioned, but he is going to accept an option as long as that option doesn't uh, that option doesn't last 20 days. Okay. Because if an option lasts 20 days or longer, you can't accrue major league service time. He can accrue major league service time while on option. Okay. Uh, until it gets to 20 days. Gotcha. Rich, but, Rich, but the feeling, no, go ahead. The feeling is that he will be ready uh, that he'll be ready to start either April 9th or April 4th, no later than the 14th, mm-hmm. because if they decide tomorrow he's going to throw three simulated in, innings, he's going to do that again uh, the day after opening day, go four innings, and then uh, five days after that, April 4th, go five innings. And if they think he's ready uh, to go six, they could bring him up April 9th uh, if they'd like to keep him down and let him – go another six innings, a six-inning game, then uh, you'd see him perhaps April 14th. Hey, before we let you go, Rich, you've covered Buck Showalter now his entire tenure here in Baltimore. Uh, he's he's tends to be a pretty stoic guy in terms of 
oh, woe is me, you know, I've got these, these horrible set of uh, a basket of deplorable pitchers, um, to use a phrase from someone. Uh, but, but tell me how you think he was affected by the club's sudden willingness to really do something of this magnitude. Well, uh, I think that he was very heartened by it. Yeah. Uh, because it's something that, you know, I, I think that uh, Alex Cobb was somebody that he had his eye on all the way because of the AL East experience. That yeah. is huge. Very few free agent pitchers want to pitch in the AL East, yeah. and certainly far fewer want to pitch in Baltimore. You know, so it, that's uh, so it, that so, that, so that's huge. God, it's it's really interesting because I think Buck. Uh, you know, we we all saw what he went through last year, and I Buck understands the nature of being in a market like Baltimore, but I think he just wants a chance to compete and feel that he actually has some ability to impact things. And I think without starting pitching at least of this magnitude, that's been taken that was taken away from him last year. Well, sure. Uh, you know when you know when you had when your choices beyond Bundy and uh, Gosman, and Gosman was, as you well pointed out, was had a really uh, forgettable first half. You know, when you had uh, Wade Miley and Ubaldo Jimenez, you know, uh, that, uh, and, and a Tillman who wasn't up to snuff, and then later Jeremy Hellickson, well, those weren't really um, very, you know, appetizing choices for him. All right, he's, go ahead. Go now, ahead. one other question I have for you, and that's uh, we've seen Chris Davis in the leadoff spot a little bit uh, in games. Uh, obviously, the Yankees have done a little bit of that with Aaron Judge. Is this something we should look forward to during the course of the season? No, I think that the reason that they're putting him in the number one spot is he missed uh, two weeks uh, with a sore, a sore right elbow, and they also had a game rained out on Tuesday. So... Uh, they want they want to get him a lot of it back, okay. and that's you know that that's the most effective way. They sent him to play in minor league games Monday and Wednesday, and and made up you know rules and got him extra at bats. So this is just simply a, simply a catch up, and I don't think you'd see a guy who strikes out 200 times a year leading off. Okay. All right, Craig Heist. Many, I mean, Rich Dubroff. Th- many thanks for being on with us. Uh, we'll see you opening day. Thank you, Rich. All right, my pleasure. Thanks, for, thanks, guys. All right, there you have it. Rich Dubroff, I'm Stan the Fan. He's Craig Heist. We are going to take a time out in just a moment. We want to mention one more time that the March for Our Lives is taking place in Washington, D.C. Humongous crowds are developing there. Go to jmoreliving.com all day today for live updates from the March for Our Lives. Jay Moore has about 10 kids from the uh, Pikesville area that are going to be reporting in uh, to the site, jmoreliving.com. We'll be right back on the other side of these messages with Orioles Hall of Famer and Masson broadcaster Mike Bordick. He joins us next. 
When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the ultimate man cave nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game I wanted to, and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out, and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the Close Edge Razor Shave all at Hammer & Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays, you can rent out Hammer & Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you, this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer & Nails, grooming shop for guys, now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. Looking for an exciting new crossover vehicle that has the legroom and cargo space of an SUV? Then you need to look at the all-new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi. Wow! Once you get behind the wheel of the new Eclipse Cross, you won't want to let go. Available in all-wheel drive, the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's comes equipped with a 7-inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, plus head-up display and adaptive cruise control. And right now, Jerry's has a $1,000 dealer discount available. Do it. Go see the New Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road or online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. KZ, Sari, the NFL Chick KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no. football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. Welcome back into the Bat Around. Craig Heist along with uh, Stan the Fan. And uh, do we have him? No. No, no I haven't called, I haven't, I haven't called okay. my court. Yeah, but just yeah. pull the curtain back. I'm, All right. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so so he's basically behind us, asleep behind the wheel. <laughs> no, it's we, we have him scheduled at 1045. Okay. So I'm a man of my word. All right. I'll call so, him. So I didn't have to introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Stan the fan, Craig. Stan the fan, Craig. Heist. Uh, you know, I look around at uh, 
some of this uh, lineup that I'm seeing from the Orioles, and I think about some of the guys that have had big springs. Manny Machado, I think, is pretty much raked all spring. Yep. Anthony Santander is a guy who really, really intrigues me heading into this season. He is, uh, you know, I think a lot of us who have watched Dan Duquette's Rule 5 guys, you know, and how important they are, mm-hmm. you know, we and then when the reality, when the rubber hits the road, the reality is that they just try and get them through those 90 days and then do what they can with the player. Uh, I mean, look, I love Ryan Flaherty, and he's a useful player on a good team. He's not an impact player by no. any means. Anthony Santander looks like he could actually be something, but I'm so conditioned to hearing all winter long that, well, He's got. He's got to be up forty-four more days, and that you were you were ready for it to be May tenth, and he's gone. This guy might stick. Oh, I think he definitely sticks, yeah. uh, especially if he keeps hitting the baseball yep. like he can. And uh, I got to tell you something. He's make, not. The thing and that the, makes and the comparisons. The comparisons with Victor Martinez also made me feel that well, he's a hitter only. This guy's a perfectly decent outfielder. Yeah, but but the thing with Flaherty is he can play anywhere. That's the thing with Flaherty, and that's what makes him uh, a, a Buck Showalter guy, if you will. And I'm certain that if you ask some guys around the major league, other organizations, he could probably play a role for a couple of different teams mm-hmm. in that capacity like he played here for the Orioles. Is he an impact player, like you said? No. No, he's a useful piece on a, on a winning team, right. but he's not a difference maker. Right. Although the manager does like to have a guy like that. The problem is he likes to have him some of the time in the majors. He, he doesn't mind having him in the minors. Well, yeah, but the other thing is with a guy like Flaherty is and, – and, and a, and a – a utility guy like Flaherty is if you're going to have that kind of guy on your team, he better be able to play shortstop, and Flaherty can play shortstop. Yeah. Do you think they they reach out to him? Is he going to end up back as an Oriole? Certainly a possibility. Once uh, once the Phillies let him go, I think it was a certain yep. certain possibility that the Orioles would be on the radar. All right. It's twelve forty. It's ten forty five. All right. right yes, it is. Time check, and uh, we're going to go down to Sarasota and bring in our next guest, and that's uh, Mike Bordick, the former Oriole, Mass and broadcaster, and Orioles Hall of Famer. Mike, good morning. How are you? Hey, great. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Today? All right. Let me ask you right off the bat. You're a Hall of Famer with the Orioles. Yesterday or two days ago, they announced Brian Roberts is going in. We uh, can't remember. Did you play with yeah. Brian for a year? Yeah, yeah. Brian, in, in, uh, I actually got hurt. Um, I got taken out of second base, and Brian got called up. Right. Oh, so, my goodness. Uh, that was the reason why he got an opportunity. And, so he became a Hall of – I hope he thanks me. He when, basically you – know, he's a Hall <laughs> of Famer because of you. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you did get to see him a good bit. I know you weren't around as much, uh, but he was a, certainly one of the best players the club has developed since – since back in the days when they developed Cal and Eddie in the early in late seventies, early eighties, Brian Roberts was a heck of a baseball player. Oh, absolutely, and uh, probably one of the at least the last true leadoff guys you're going to see in the game. You know, the great speed at the top of the order, the high on base percentage, and of course Brian, you know, kind of came into his own as far as the power as well. I mean, doubles, um, home runs. He started hitting home runs, so. You know, Brian's going to go down as one of the best uh, offensive players, anyway, uh, in Oriole history. Mike, I mean, pretty impressive numbers he put up over 
over his time in an Oriole uniform. And you mentioned him getting his chance because you got hurt at second base. Uh, you, you remember the back to the first couple of years he was up here where it was the, the, the argument of, well, who should be the second baseman, him or Jerry Harrison? And uh, it wasn't until Jerry finally moved on that Brian got that chance to be the everyday guy. Right, right. Yeah, there was a, a nice little battle there because, uh, I mean, both tremendous skills. And, um, you know, yeah, it wasn't until uh, Harrison kind of moved on that it gave really Brian that real opportunity to be the everyday guy. And, and both players, um, you know, were, came up as shortstops. And I think, you know, that's something to, to pay attention to, um, drafting, you know, athletic players that have the versatility, you know, to move around a little bit. Now, Brian settled in at, at second base and became a perennial all-star second baseman, Harrison, my gosh, is he still playing for as versatile as he is? He, he's, <laughs> he was unbelievable and had an incredible career and, and really ended up playing everywhere. So uh, there is something to looking at players that have that athleticism, I think, in the middle of the field. Hey, Mike, we're, you're talking about a guy settling in at the big league level. How much more settled in are you now as a broadcaster than you were years one and two? I, the, the listen... To listen to you on a game now, it's a world of difference to me. Well, I, I think the repetition certainly helps. And and I always, I mean, I liken it to coming up when I did as a player, you know. I was fortunate to be surrounded by incredible players to learn from. And in, in, in this, uh, you know, in broadcasting, my gosh, Gary Thorne, Jim Hunter, Jim Palmer. I mean, you can't go wrong. These guys have done it their whole lives. They're the best in the business, so... You know, learning from them, uh, even in, on the radio side, when I get an opportunity to work with Joe Angel, I mean, you, you just can't help but, but learn from these guys. So they've helped me tremendously. And just the repetition, I think, just like in the game of baseball. You're not going to feel comfortable until you get the reps in under your belt. And uh, I'm not saying I'm generally comfortable. I still get that nervous anxiety, and I did when I played before every game, and I think that's helpful and in just the preparation and staying on top of things. How much have you seen of this Orioles club so far? Have you been down there embedded with the team for five weeks, or have you just been down there a little bit at a time, like Palmer? No, I've been been here the whole time, and uh, it's been it's been kind of nice to see how it's all kind of transitioned through, and then to all of a sudden have this great feeling here at the end of spring training. There are just so many question marks coming in. And I don't know that the organization right now is is still real comfortable with the fact that there aren't a lot of moving parts. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Orioles kind of have built a reputation on creating that depth and using the minor leagues uh, throughout the year to kind of keep them afloat. And um, there just isn't as many opportunities, as many options this season. But I'll tell you what, Landon, Alex Cobb, this kind of, made everybody feel a whole lot better, you know, and, and, and better in a positive way. The whole clubhouse seems to have a different kind of attitude. Um, they all of a sudden became contenders, I think, to solidify that rotation that, you know, what an offseason going in with only two guys <laughs> under your belt and then, right. you know, to land a couple quality guys. And then, you know, you hope that Tillman has that uh, big bounce back year, which I think everybody's anticipating. Mike, it, you know that they're – They've got their five, as we're looking, as certainly once Cobb gets up here uh, in mid-April or whenever that happens. Uh, but 
you know that with the way the season is, you're going to need maybe seven or eight guys. So from that standpoint, what's the biggest impression that you've got out of who you've seen thrown, throw so far uh, in, in spring training games that leads you to believe, you know, a couple of guys could really be helpful? Well, you know who I think, and I have, uh, I guess, the past few seasons in our, um, in our, on our team especially, just the the track record of the starters not having that ability to get deeper in the ball games really kind of kind of burns up the bullpen, right? So there's you need quality long men, and I think the Orioles got real lucky in getting Castro last year. And I think he is going to be a major piece. To, and we saw him have success last year, spot starting, then working out of the bullpen to eat up innings. And I'm talking multiple innings. He's comfortable, you know, giving you five or six. If he feels good, and, and Buck has a great sense of that, he'll run him out there and absolutely save the bullpen. We've got a couple other guys. Nestor uh, Cortese, you know, I think he has that ability. He, might still slide into that fifth spot, you know, before uh, Cobb gets back. So I think the long man is going to be the key, and I think it's crucial really on every team now just to save that that back end of the bullpen. We're talking with Mike Bordick of MassInSports.com. Mike, um, you know how Dan Duquette is obsessed with the Rule 5 draft. Uh, and when you analyze what he's gotten out of it over six, seven years – the real results haven't been that fa- fabulous, but yet Anthony Santander having a tremendous camp after they were able to keep him and they need to keep him up 44 days this year, and now this pitcher, Orojo, these two guys look like they could actually become impact players for the organization. Boy, uh, let's hope, you know, and, and I, uh, you know, I, I understand completely um, why – that's just become part of the, the organizational philosophy in the offseason. It's just hard to land the big-time free agents and consistently do that. Rule fives are out there, and I think with analytics, I think they have a better understanding of the potential uh, you know, for younger players that haven't had those opportunities in the big leagues. So I, I think you have to do it. I know the Orioles are a little bit more aggressive than, than other teams, but there have been some producers in there, and I think that's the – the risk you take, you know, you go into the rule five, it's a, even though the cost of it has changed <laughs> over uh, since a year, you know, it used to be pretty affordable. Now you got to drop a hundred thousand dollars to get a rule five guy. Right. So um, it's not as cheap as it used to be, but it's just another opportunity, obviously to get a look at guys uh, landing Santander, I think was really big. He's a young guy that you could just see the potential just all over the place. And, and I think in a way, yeah, he really did kind of come into his own after getting a taste of the big leagues last year and uh, really understood what it has to take. So, yeah, he could be an impact player, much like Mancini was for the O's last season. And uh, as far as pitching goes, I think any chance you get, get to get a pitcher, especially with the skills that uh, Araujo has, you, you got to go after him. You know, I mean, there's a type of guys that uh, you catch lightning in a bottle and they can be the pivotal piece you know, that can get you over the hump. You know, we don't look back on T.J. McFarland as being an impact player for the Orioles, but he was a Rule 5 pick that saved the bullpen. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you say about him. Yep. He took up so many innings for that team and saved the bullpen that he should be looked at as a 
is really a savior for the times they, you know, he was here. And and Buck needs those guys to really kind of step up and keep everybody in place. You're uh, talking, or we're talking with Mike Bordick, uh, former Oriole and now Masson broadcaster for the team. And, and Mike, Stan was bringing up a, an issue, or not an issue, but a comment that he feels pretty strongly about. With his signing of Alex Cobb, is this a little bit of a different philosophy for this team in terms of how they view long-term deals with pitchers. And I, and I know we had the Abaldo experiment for four years and, you know, the $50 million, but is this going to maybe change the philosophy a little bit about how they go about handling off-season free agent signings? <laughs> well, it's up to Alex Cobb, right? Because if yeah. Cobb has success <laughs> and lives up to that contract, then it's perfect. You know, I don't think they'll be as hesitant. Uh, to sign a, a pitcher, but it is so hard nowadays to land those, you know, top end of the rotation guys. You, you really, well, you have to be aggressive. You have to obviously open up your your wallet. And um, but I think he's the type of guy. He's a veteran pitcher that he's only going to help our staff with his experience. I think him and Cashner both. Um, they give you two different kind of uh, character looks. I think Cashner is a little bit more aggressive uh, vocally, but you can tell the professionalism of Cobb just has a great feel for pitching, and, and our guys need that. And we got a couple of the best young arms in the game with Bundy and Cosman, and I think with their tutelage and just little things throughout the year, it's just going to make them so much better. I, I, I just totally believe that. Hey, Mike, uh, I alluded to Brian Roberts being one of the best players the Orioles had developed since the days of Cal and Eddie. And I think if you take out the number one picks that were position players, Machado and Weeders, from from Eddie Murray till around Marcakis, you really only have two homegrown players. Uh, Scope would be a third and now Mancini a fourth. But over about a 30 to 40, 35, 40-year time period, all of a sudden I've got names like Santander, Cisco, Hayes, Mountcastle, Mullins, Stort, Reyes. That's just a, a smattering of them. This club yeah. is, and I'm not the kind of guy that just likes to heap uh, praise on the team, but for the first time in a long, long time, They've got some real prospects in the pipeline. That's the way minor league development is supposed to be. And, Mike, I think to Stan's point, you see that in some of the national baseball rankings in terms of farm systems where the Orioles were constantly at the bottom of the 30 teams, and now they've moved up considerably in that category. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it's exciting as an organization to see that. Now, there are some incredible offensive talent. I mean, these guys, some of the numbers that Mountcastle put up, that uh, Cisco's put up in the minor leagues, uh, DJ Stewart, are you kidding me? 20 stolen bases, 20 bombs last year mm-hmm. in double A. And uh, Austin Hayes, I mean, yeah, it is, it's awesome. And it uh, just gives you a good feeling that the organization is, is moving in the direct, right direction. They have prospects. They have abilities now to make moves if they need to. And, and there are still holes in the organization. As far as, you know, we talk about shortstops, when Harrison and, and Robert, there aren't a lot of legitimate shortstops. And, and it's pretty obvious because in the offseason, they went out and had to get players from other teams, sign free agents to come in and look for utility infielders. You know, so, I mean, there are spots that uh, 
certainly need to be filled. The athleticism of players, I think, is, is something that needs to be addressed. But as far as offensive potential, man, if teams are looking for that, you got to look at the Orioles organization. They are just boppers, you know, up and down. Uh, young boppers that have incredible upside. Two players I want to ask you about this year that I think are pivotal to the Orioles uh, really being competitive now that we've got the pitching that at least allows us to be competitive are sophomore Trey Mancini and not grizzled veteran, but a veteran that they're paying an awful lot of money to, Chris Davis. What do you see in 2018 for both of those important bats? Well, I think Mancini uh, with that, uh, year under his belt should just get better. I think Trey has that incredible uh, work ethic to go along with the talent, and he's a guy that's driven to make himself better. Um, and you know, he may have a little bit of a sophomore, you know, slump in there, but Trey needs that too. All yep. you know, all great players need to go through that stuff. He didn't really struggle a lot last year. There may have been a little bit, but uh, and I'm not anticipating that out of Mancini. But what I'm saying is he has the makeup to overcome that kind of stuff, and it's just part of the process for a young player. But I think Trey's going to be great. I think uh, he's the type of guy that, that organizations, you know, look to. You know, organizational talent, just that type of, you know, blue-collar makeup, baby. Let's go. Let's grind it out. This is what I do. Brings his lunchbox to work and gets after it. You know, Davis needs, though, a, a, a big-time bounce-back year. You know, he really does. I'm certainly concerned with the injuries this spring, but he looked great in yesterday's ball game. And I think veteran guys kind of have that ability uh, to notch it up as the season uh, nears. So it was nice to see Davis put together some good ABs, go full speed. Um, he definitely has to get at-bats under his belt. And, you know, he is going to be such a big factor for this team's success. You know, his bat is coming through a little bit more opportunity. You know, I really love the way this team offensively has approached spring training. Um, they've really cut down the strikeouts. They're trying to do different things um, to break the shifts because teams just overshift on the Orioles all the time. And, and Buck and, and Scott Coolbaugh talk all the time about ways to, to get runners on, give themselves more opportunities because – the Orioles have boppers up and down, but they're limited. They're almost, uh, I think they might be last in the American League East as far as opportunities with runners in scoring positions. So finding ways to get on there, Davis can do that. Yep. Any one of these guys in the lineup can do that. They're all power hitters, and they all have to make, you know, subtle adjustments to help the team. Just get more on that team side. Make that first mark in a ball game on the board. And you know, keep your foot on the throat and keep going, being aggressive running the bases, just little detail things in ball games that are going to help the Orioles. You know, if they may be on paper a little bit short, it's going to put them over the top. We're talking to Mike Bordick of MassInSports.com. Mike, one last question for you. You're seeing the trend of uh, managers, new managers. There's a new breed uh, that are coming into the game. And I look at the Yankees, how they plucked Aaron Boone out of the national broadcast booth uh, because they had some familiarity with him. We don't know how much longer Buck Showalter is going to manage the Baltimore Orioles. You know, we hope it'll be three, four, five more years. But if he suddenly said, you know, I really want to go upstairs or I just want to go back to Dallas, 
uh, and Dan or Brady came to you and said, Mike, you're familiar with this team. You played the game a long time. We'd like you to take a shot at this. Would that hold any interest to Mike Bordick? And I'm going to be, I'm going to apply for an umpiring job, Mike, just to <laughs> get under my skin, huh? Right. <laughs> more more uh, than I hey, already absolutely. do. Absolutely, man. I mean, come on. I mean, there are guys that, I mean, I love the game of baseball. Um, I love the Orioles, obviously. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to have that opportunity. Do I feel like I'm qualified to manage? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I think in the cases that we're seeing, you know, with Cora, um, with uh, Boone, some of the other young managers that are playing, you better have a good bench coach. <laughs> you know, you yeah, you, you'd get, you we'd get you a good bench. We'd get you a good bench coach. But you, yeah, it's something you right? would you would love so, to do, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. all right. That, well, we, if, we can talk more about it this summer. But if he becomes manager, yeah, and so I, I'm going to become the new Laz Diaz. <laughs> I think you'd be. A, I think I think Craig Heist would be a great bench coach. Be what a yeah, unique well, what a unique team no, that would I be. Wanna, if I did ever manage, I'd want to do it for more than a year. I'd be with my coach. We both, we'd all get fired. Well, I'm but, real know. good. I'm real good with hand signals, Mike. <laughs> uh, Craig Heist would be staring. You'd be looking at signals, and Heist would be looking at the women in the third row. <laughs> All right, Bordy, uh, we'll see you opening day. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to opening day. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, coming up in just a minute or so will be Matt Slatus mm-hmm. of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which I think everybody in our listening and viewing audience knows now, but we'll join Matt in just a moment. Um Interesting stuff from uh, Bordick. Yeah, and I think he's got a real good grasp on what he's seen this spring yep. uh, from the pitching perspective and also from the lineup perspective. And and He still his, does some work with the club, doesn't sure, he? Sure, yeah, he co- helps coach a little yep. bit, yeah. Yep. In fact, one of the reasons we went tried to get him on last week right. when you were down in Sarasota, and uh, he couldn't do that because the Orioles did have a day game uh, and the Orioles uh, were out working in the field beforehand and he was on the backfield which is why he couldn't do it uh but today i thought it one might be a good idea because yep. the orioles play tonight right uh, and uh you know so can't get a better baseball mind than mike bordick yeah all right well we'll continue that discussion with him over the course of this summer yeah, that's right get him up to speed to manage a baseball team joining us right now is somebody that doesn't need to get up to speed for his job and that's the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds and a friend of ours at Press Box. That is Matt Slatus, the general manager, as I said, of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And, Matt, let me start off. Last year you had one name change. You became, for one night, the Steam Crabs, which I loved. This year you've got – you're going to be the Steam Crabs one night again, but you got a, a third name now to contend with. That's right, Stan. So I've got uh, we've got the Ironbirds, obviously. We've got the Steam Crabs. We announced a, a name about two weeks ago, and we're actually sitting on one more that we're going to roll out here in a few weeks. But, wow. A uh, couple weeks back, we announced that we're going to play every Sunday and Military Appreciation Day. So eight games this year is the Aberdeen Star-Spangled Banners. Um, wow. Great way to honor our country 
and the song itself, uh, which obviously was written uh, and keeps it home in the state of Maryland. And fans have to stand for the entire game. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we're going to make it a health exercise. I well. like that. I like that. Hey, Matt, uh, when I met you a couple years back, I, and to correct me if I'm wrong, you came in kind of in midstream, right, the first year you were with the team? Yeah, so I, I joined the Ironbirds heading into the last homestand of the 16th season. So I was there to see a handful of games or so and kind of get my feet wet. Right, and then you really got your feet wet during last off season, where you came up with the idea of, hey, let's get back to at least selling out some some specified nights. We're going to aim to sell these crowds out. And I think you had right. about five to seven sellouts last year. We, we were close. We weren't exactly where we wanted to be, but we sold out games for the first time in six or seven years at the ballpark. You know, June 30th is one night that I, comes to mind where we had people basically banging on the gates to get in and we just didn't have seats left. So I think you'll see us build on that this year. I think we're on pace right now to sell out eight to ten games. And the ballpark's fun again. Aberdeen's fun again. And we're doing some great promotions to bring people back into the house. Hey, I see that uh, Cal Ripken is uh, very active in some spots right now with uh, the visit Harford County uh, with the county executive out there who uh, has reached out and and has has welcomed Cal as part of the team. Yeah, you know, Cal is is from Aberdeen. His mom still lives there. His sister still lives there. They still work in our office. I, I see him and Bill, my two bosses, at least once a week. Um, but yeah, Cal's doing a lot of work with Visit Hartford, and you'll see that our our next name change is actually going to be tied into something with Hartford County. So for the first time, the club is going to play as the Hartford County, and we'll fill in the blank in about ten days. Um, so we're doing a lot of work with the county. County Executive Classman is a fantastic guy, and they're a great partner of ours, much like the City of Aberdeen. We're talking with Matt Slatus, the General Manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Do you have any idea who? Any of your players will be, I know we're at March 24th now and your season doesn't start until June, but do you have any idea of like maybe some former picks last year that you know are going to slot in at your you know, level? Stan, I think you and I missed each other in Sarasota by about five days. Okay. Uh, and, and I was down there spending some time with our coaching staff and it, it's really up in the air right now. I think that, um, because our team was so good on the field last year, you're really going to see a lot of guys move on to Delmarva. So if I'm a fan of the Shorebirds, I'd be pretty excited. I think they're going to have a great club this year. Uh, and then Aberdeen, you know, I'm hopeful to see D.L. Hall, but I certainly wouldn't bank on it based on the way he's been throwing. I mm-hmm. think he could definitely find himself on a club at the start of the season. Um, but then we'll see what the draft has in store for us. So between the draft some kids from the Florida State League team last year that was fantastic. I, I think the Ironbirds are going to see a, a pretty good club up in Aberdeen, and I'll tell you, Kevin Bradshaw, our manager, um, a lot of guys in minor league baseball, a lot of coaches that really just want to develop players. I, I've never seen someone like KB who, when this team was eliminated from the postseason last year on the final day of the season, basically said, i got to come back to Aberdeen and we have to make the postseason next year. He just wants to win. He wants to follow the Oriole way. He wants to develop guys. But at the same time, he does not like to lose. So knowing him, I think we'll see a pretty competitive club on the field this year. Matt, how do you sense that players who come to Aberdeen in in the short A season, uh, attitude-wise and and also uh, from a professionalism standpoint, 
take to that level knowing that, yeah, they've just started their professional careers, uh, but, but there's always that incentive to take the next step. I would assume that they have to, to, have, to have that right mindset to be able to fulfill their dream, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, by the time guys get to Aberdeen, they're, they're coming from a few different places. So they've either been at extended spring training and spring training and are exhausted and just glad to be out of Sarasota for as beautiful as it is. It's, it's a lot more beautiful in February and March than it is in June. <laughs> yeah. um, you've got some guys who might be coming from high school who are, quite honestly, deers in headlights, but they're excited to start their pro careers. And then you've got guys who played at the D1 college level who – they're rip-roaring and ready to go. So I think that you've got a different uh, different bunch of guys that all have to meld together pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, they all understand that I think Aberdeen is a short-season single-A ballpark that has more a feel of a double-A or a triple-A ballpark. It's great to play at a ballpark that's owned by Cal and Bill, and it comes with some advantages. It doesn't feel like you're playing in your traditional minor league baseball stadium our clubhouses are beautiful our field is big league quality so it's a great place to be but these guys are they're chasing the dream and they know they have a job and that job is to get up bust their tail every day and work their way to camden yards and you know eventually you're going to see two or three or four or five of them do just that hey matt we know now that your manager is as you mentioned kevin bradshaw who's the rest of his staff going to be this year so, so Kevin's joined by a couple big leaguers. Uh, our hitting coach is Tim Raines Jr. Mm-hmm. So l- last year in our clubhouse, you know Ryan Ripken was playing first base. Tim was our hitting coach, and we had sons of two Hall of Famers, which was pretty cool. And then we've got another big league line in Mark Hendrickson, who you probably remember sure. as an Orioles reliever. Uh, I just I love talking to Mark because not only was he an Orioles reliever, but he was a, a center in the NBA for almost a decade. Yeah. As, as, as a guy who's five six, I can always remember interviewing <laughs> him. You know, my arm would get tired from holding the mic up so high. the the biggest The biggest challenge I had all last season wasn't figuring out how to sell out that ballpark. It was figuring out where we were going to find a pair of pants for him. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you mentioned just before you were down there uh, meeting with your staff. How many days do you go? I hadn't thought about that, that the GM of a short season team goes down there. Is the purpose to really just familiarize yourself and go over? In other words, what's the purpose of a trip to Florida for you? Well, it's to skip an eight-inch blizzard, of course. Of course. Um, Aside from that. Aside from that, yeah, just, just to make sure that the coaches feel good coming up to Aberdeen. You know, all the arrangements are being made for them out of sight, out of mind. Uh-huh. So everything from where they're going to live to where their players are going to live to what kind of bus are we going to ride. You know, I wish I was the guy that got to call the shots when it came to player transactions, but I'm just the guy who makes sure when they get here, everything's comfortable for them so they can go out and do their jobs. So we just go through kind of the rigmarole of the baseball operation. Uh, what time is batting practice going to be? What does the schedule look like? You know, if we're playing in Vermont the day after we play a day game in Aberdeen, do we want to get on the bus after the game, or do we want to leave the following morning? Things like that. So you cross all the the T's and dot all the I's for the, the upcoming season. It, exactly, because our job is to, to make sure that ballpark's fun for fans, but first and foremost, um, just the kind of one B behind that is to make sure that we're providing a, an atmosphere for the Orioles to, to develop talent. So, so when the major league season starts, Bradshaw, Reigns, and Hendrickson, are they down there at Twin Lakes Park? 
Or, or what uh, do they do in those couple months before your season actually gets underway? So they'll be down there at Twin Lakes. They'll also bounce back and forth between Ed Smith. Okay. So when they when the Gulf Coast League team plays games, okay. once the, the major leaguers are gone, they'll play at Ed Smith. But they stay down there in Florida at the, the not-so-fun time of year. Can you give us uh, any kind of an indication as to what kind of promotions you're going to have going on uh, this year at the ballpark? Uh, I know, obviously, the the uh, all-you-can-eat crab thing is a, b- a big deal with me. <laughs> yeah, but, right. but, I mean, just in general, because, I, I mean, let's face it, that's the blood of minor league baseball mm-hmm. in a lot of ways is, is what you do at the ballpark to, to keep the fans going. It, it is. And I think that, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head with all-you-can-eat crabs. Besides promotions, it, it's about food. And, you know, one thing that we took a big interest in this offseason is creating fun food. So we're going to announce next week that we're actually investing $400,000 into redoing our complete food and beverage experience. We, we brought on a great partner, um, new you know, six different new locations throughout the ballpark, serving everything from cheesesteaks cooked in front of you to sausages, to you name it. Uh, we're completely renovating wow. all the food and beverage at Ripken Stadium. That's a, that's a big story. That's really interesting. Yeah, we're excited about it. And, you know, last year we were able to bring on a new video board, a new mm-hmm. kid zone, and this year we're going to completely redo top to bottom food and beverage. So I think that you know, some of the things you've seen in minor league baseball, that, and I'm not saying we'll have this, but the, the cheeseburger between two glazed donuts, you know, things like that, obviously, with some Maryland heist players. Is, so our, heist is out the door. Have have crab on. It, exactly. So, heist is out the and, door. New, uh, you know, new bars, new beer locations, you, know, you name it. Um, think about food and beverages completely new at the ballpark, and then we'll have the, the Star Spangled Banners, the Steam Crabs, the whole, the whole nine yards. It's going to be a great, fun summer at Lighthouse Field. Hey, one more before, and I told you before we uh, got you on the air, I do want to get a couple spring training stories out of you because I know you spent many, many years in that, in that world. Uh, but last year, your your one of your marketing goals was to sell out those five game plans or sell them a lot sure. of them. Is there a similar goal this year that you're working on, aside from yeah. trying to get the eight to ten sellouts? So we're working on that. Another thing that I think is so important is that these minor league clubs, including the Ironbirds, are constantly raising funds for the community. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about the Star Spangled Banners brand and the, the eight games the team is playing under that moniker. We're selling a ticket package for Military Appreciation Night, August 9th. It's a, a $25 ticket. Gets you, obviously, a ticket to a sold-out game, a Star Spangled Banners cap. For every ticket package you purchase, though, $5 is going to go to send a member of our armed forces to the game. So for every ticket you purchase, a member of the armed forces gets to go free that's, of charge as well. That's great. And a $5 donation is made in your name to TAPS which is a, a tragedy assistance program that supports the families of um, service members who passed away. That's a, so, that's a wonderful thing to participate in. That really is a special thing. Yep. Very good. Hey, um, moving back to your career in the, uh, in the world of spring training, I know for many years you were running the, uh, the uh, site out there. I think it's surprise Arizona. Uh, where- I was at, I, I actually spent some time at two. So I spent, uh, a couple years being Goodyear with the Indians and the yep. Reds, and then a, a handful of years at Camelback Ranch with the Dodgers and White Sox. All right. So tell me a couple fun, you know, they don't have to be funny, 
Uh, I remember you shared a story with us that I'd love to hear again, the Dave Roberts story. Uh, but, but anything that, you know, that rings of spring training for you. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the Dave Roberts story and then I'll leave you with one other <laughs> funny nugget. Um, you know, you talk about a guy who's just a, a class act when, when doc was hired to join the Dodgers and manage that club, uh, about 10 days before spring training, we got a call from the Dodgers community relations department saying, Hey, Dave Roberts is coming out to spring training. His kids want to join. Um, the only way he's going to let them come to spring training, though, is if you find some community service projects that the family can do together. Mm. So, you know, you hear all the time about how great a guy he is, but when you actually get to meet him and, and <clears throat> see what's coming from behind him, it's completely validated. So wonderful human, and it's, it's exciting to see what that – team has been able to do under his leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one I'll, I'll tell you is one night I walk into our production room and you know, the way the press box is laid out there, the, the video production room is right next to the home radio booth. So you walk into the hallway and in spring training, the, the ambiance is pretty relaxed. So a lot of these guys will broadcast with the door wide open. So I would always stop and close my eyes and listen because you had the famous Vin Scully calling a Dodger game with the door open. So you close your eyes and listen, and you hear his voice, and you feel like you're watching on TV, and then you open your eyes, and he's standing right in front of you. So that, that to me, was amazingly cool. But then I open the door to that production booth, and Don Newcomb is pressing our video board buttons. So in that is, his that is 90s, very cool. yeah. with his wife standing <laughs> over his shoulder, you know, they walked into the production room and said, hey, what are you guys doing here? And the girl who was operating the video board said, hey, click this button, click this button. And Don Newcomb was changing the headshots on that video screen. Oh, that's hilarious. That's a great story. Great story. Uh, Matt, we appreciate your coming on board. Uh, last question for you. Uh, difference in the Slatus household this year from every baseball season in the past, you've never been a father. Um, no. Your thoughts about fatherhood and baseball and being around baseball and what you would hope uh, your son Jonah, not this summer, takes out of it, but what he gets out of being around baseball? Well, I, I, I think this summer he'll get a taste. I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever been as excited to do something in my life as I am to have Jonah with me at opening day, even though he'll only be eight months old. <laughs> um, but he's fortunate in his position that he's going to get to grow up around a ballpark. So, you know, next summer crawling through the outfield to eventually being a bat boy and getting some great coaching tips from professionals down the road. Uh, I hope that he watches future Orioles go from high school kids to the big leagues and sees the, the hard work and the dedication that it takes. I hope that he sees that baseball players who play a game at 7 PM actually get to the ballpark at noon and bust their hump every day. And I hope that he takes away from it that nothing comes easy, that even, you know, the Manny Machados, the Adam Joneses of the world who are making millions upon millions of dollars, it didn't happen overnight. That's great That's a, stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. And, and for, from a kid's standpoint growing up, there's so many of them that uh, as they develop, uh, you just want to have them get that general interest in the game. Because I've always thought that if you're not a baseball fan, by the time you're 11 or 12, you're just not going to be one. And I think that's minor league baseball's job is to make sure that kids are picking up a ball and they're throwing it around, even if they're not playing a game with nine guys on the field. 
that they touch a bat, they touch a ball, and they, they get that early on appreciation. All right. We look forward to working with you again this summer, Matt. Always enjoy it. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about some of the new uh, concession stuff out there at uh, Ironbirds games. That sounds exciting. We'll have you out at the ballpark. Thanks, All right. guys. Thank you. There he goes, Matt Slatus, GM, Aberdeen Ironbirds. I just think it would be neat if they invited the both of us up there during a game. Yeah, to do just, what? To drink just, beer and eat no, food? No, 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 to go up in the control room and just change the headshots. <laughs> we'd let we'd let Kyle Ottenheimer do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm honored. He, well, because he was considerate enough of the show today to forego the possibility of his being on the air right. so that we would stay on the air. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm selfless. You're selfless. One other selfless. thing. One other Self- thing I wanted. Not to bring, selfish. I wanted selfless. To, I wanted to mention because yes. uh, last night, and this is not baseball related, but last night at the Wizards game. Yeah. Uh, Wizards lost to the Nuggets last night, one hundred eight, one hundred. Yeah. However, uh, at halftime. Yeah. Well, I mean they're they're fighting Are for their the playoff lot. Yeah. Well, they're right. they're they're fighting for that eighth and final spot in the playoffs. Uh, but. Phil Chenier yeah. had his number retired That's last great. night at halftime. And Steve Buckhans. What number did he wear? 45. 45. Yeah. That's an odd number when you think about a basketball player. But a I mean, guard. And it was funny. He had a yeah. nice, they had a, vi- uh, a video montage, uh, a lot of different people from around the league. And certainly Clyde Frazier, Walt Frazier from the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. who's a broadcaster up there, and of course a Hall of Famer. And uh, th- those two guys used to duel pretty regularly yeah. and all you got to do is hop on uh youtube or something and just you know google phil chenier walt frazier and see some of those battles uh but to, to be the to be the the guy who played for the team the organization both the wizards and the bullets back in the day and to be as front and center with this team as a broadcaster for so many years not just uh, and a great ambassador for the league, mm-hmm. but for the city of D.C. and also what he means to basketball fans, which started right up here in Baltimore. Yeah. And I said to him last night, I said, you know, this is really neat for me because this is a guy that went to games w- watching you in the early years with the, the Bullets at the Civic Center. And he looked at me and he said, the Civic Center, wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Civic Center. I'll tell you something about him when he came up. I think he had played one year at college mm-hmm. at Cal. I right. Think. I think I was at that time. I was still playing basketball a little bit, you know. And I was. People had told me learn to go with both hands, mm-hmm. you know. And I tried, but I, you know, being what I was, I couldn't. I watched him when he was a rookie in the NBA at like 19 years of age or 20 at the at the oldest. Watched him go with both hands. He was absolutely a marvelous player. Yeah, he really, really was. He w- really was. Had a smooth jump shot. Uh, and, and you know, I'm watching a little bit of the video last night, and I happened to run across a game. at And, and, the, and the Bullets used to do this. The Bullets used to play at Cole Fieldhouse a couple of games. Yeah, I remember against that. Against the Lakers, against the Knicks, some of the higher-profile teams in the league. And uh, I caught a little bit of uh, – him, uh, this is after Earl Monroe had left and went to New York. Uh, a little bit of, you know, battles between him and Monroe and him and Frazier uh, down at uh, Cole Fieldhouse. And just some interesting, great video. But uh, Phil Chenier, above all, is just a class act. And 
he always has been. So that was just a really neat thing to have happen last night. All right. Very good. Very good. I want to remind you, by the way, that this hour, these two hours, 10 to 12, every day we've got you covered. Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer with Glenn Clark Radio from 10 to 12. And Sundays, uh, on the football side of things, Ken Zalas, Sarita Hubbard do the fantasy and reality football show. And, of course, we've got you covered on Saturdays. We are going to take a timeout. Then we're going to kick around a little bit of prediction talk, and then we'll get Doug Fernandez on to finish up the show. We'll be right back after these words. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Ginsburg profiles Orioles' sage sophomore Trey Mancini after a breakout rookie campaign. We also preview all aspects of the 2018 Orioles and look ahead to the NFL draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the ultimate man cave nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game game I wanted to, and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the close edge razor shave all at Hammer and Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays, you can rent out Hammer and Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you, this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer and Nails, grooming shop for guys, now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. This is not a test. The Orioles have signed Alex Cobb. Josh has yelled about this for months, and it finally happened. Come on over to Section 336 and join the excitement by searching Section 336 on Apple's podcast, on Facebook, or Section336.com. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Looking for an exciting new crossover vehicle that has the legroom and cargo space of an SUV? Then you need to look at the all-new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi. Wow! Once you get behind the wheel of the new Eclipse Cross, you won't want to let go. Available in all-wheel drive, the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's comes equipped with a 7-inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, plus head-up display and adaptive cruise control. And right now, Jerry's has a $1,000 dealer discount available. Do it. Go see the New Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road or online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. 
Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Java now. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Alright, we are back on the battle round. Winding down, last 28 minutes or so. We're going to grab Doug Fernandez in about three or four minutes. Craig, uh, with the Cobb signing, have the Orioles elevated themselves, A, to being competitive to win the division? uh, Or have they, and I'm asking Kyle this as well, or have they just elevated themselves to be in the competition for the second American League wildcard spot, sort of seeding the Indians the, Yank- the uh, Yankees and Red Sox and Astros are the first four teams. I hearken back to 14, Yeah, where no one thought this team would, right. would have a chance to win the division. Right. And they ran away with it. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but the Cobb signing along with the hope that Tillman bounces back. You and look, the continued growth of, of Bundy of the and two, Right, the two, continued growth of those two. And I think your bullpen's going to be solid. It basically starts with pitching. I know you you worry about your offense and putting up runs, but I think this team's going to put up runs. I would say they're not necessarily the favorites to win the division, but they could certainly compete for a playoff spot. Okay. How many wins? 86? I would say 86 to 90. And, okay. and here, I mean – I know they won 75 last year. Yeah. You you have to factor in a terrible month of September because of that uh-huh, for that sure. number. But to have them in an over and under of 72 this year, I yeah. think it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I like them above 72. Um, Kyle? I was saying throughout the week on Glenn Clark Radio that this the is addition, before Kyle. There's a, there's a oh, shameless plug. You like that? <laughs> Monday through Friday, or? 10 to noon. Um it was after Cobb, and okay. there's oh, look. There's, this is it's A A C B C, right? Like that's right. There's you had the idea that, and I think the Orioles always believe in themselves as the plucky underdogs, right? The guys that okay, everybody doubts us. All the pundits think we're going to win X amount of games. Well, okay, we'll go show them, and that was their mentality before Cobb. Regardless, I think that the people in that locker room, Adam Jones, all those guys, right? They know nothing else other than going out and just competing. Buck Showalter, that's his mentality. The Cobb signing, though, makes it actually – they're still the underdogs because the reality is the Yankees and the Red Sox are behemoths, right? Yeah. Like David and Goliath, got they have gigantic the payroll, yes, they've yeah. got the players, all that stuff. But the Orioles actually have a – they've got a seat at the table now. They've got a claim to competition, and I think that their mindset hasn't changed. Like, they still view themselves that same way. So but how now, many wins? I was saying before, I think they're probably about an 88 88- 90 win team and I think that like the ceiling is more than that because you know that they're at their best they play well together they're really a group they have good chemistry and like playing with each other and if they can pitch then the who knows well let me ask you this both of you and that's from a pitching perspective the Yankees don't scare me all that much and and neither do the Red Sox Red Sox had terrible starting pitching last year the talent's obviously there yeah 
talent's yeah. there, but you're hoping for guys to have bounce back years. Uh, for the Yankees, CC Sabathia had a good second half to last two months, but is that what's that going to be like for the whole year? I'm not in love with with okay. Tanaka, but I mean, I think that the gray I mean, edition, yeah. the gray edition, obviously Severino. And Jordan Montgomery was very solid, and Severino's yeah. better than anybody the Orioles yeah. have. You I know. agree. I mean, the Indians have Kluber and Carrasco and Bauer at the top of their rotation. And they I'm may- not ready to listen. By the end, by by July, we might be talking about. Cobb, Gosman, and Bundy being that, that conversation, that, that conversation yeah. but I can't right. say it right now. But again, the, the the central when you're talking about the Indians, right? A, a lot of twins a, are going to be A lot tough. of people think, and that's going to be my pick to win the central. A lot of people think because the Indians aren't that deep anymore, and uh, this this division is probably going to be the weakest in the American League. All right, it'll be interesting. All right, I I've got them at eighty four to eighty six wins. But with Buck Showalter, I think he, with him fully engaged, and I mean that by the Cobb and the Cashner mm-hmm. signings, I think, and, and Arojo, I think he's so talented at handling a pitching staff. I think that's his greatest strength. And I think these guys give him a chance. I think they could be in that 88-89 win. Well, and a lot of times people say, well, your manager, how many wins is he really good for? In Buck Showalter's case, I would easily say five, six wins a year. No question about it. And, and so from that standpoint, I, I really do I, – I feel very good about what the Orioles have done in the last two weeks, and I feel very good about the fact that they've made themselves into the conversation again. All right. Joining us now from Sarasota, Florida, is the Herald Tribune of Sarasota's Doug Fernandez. Doug, thank you for joining us. Mr. Charles, good to be with you. You're with Mr. Charles and Mr. Heist, Craig Heist. Very good. All right. Hey, Doug, uh, the Orioles have been down there. What, is this their 10th year? Well, they, they came up, uh, we were out baseball. We were without baseball here in Sarasota in 09. The Reds left in 08. Okay. And then the Orioles came in 10. So this and is they their... played the first year in the unrenovated Ed Smith Stadium. And then it was renovated for the 11th season. So, so this, is their, the this is their ninth season in Sarasota. How right. how have they uh, how have they intertwined with the community there in Sarasota? Well, you know, uh, they've done a good job. I, I mean, at first when the Orioles came to town, I'm sure there were a lot of people who didn't know, you know, who trained in this town or you know much about the Orioles. Uh, but since then, they've really embedded themselves in this community in terms of uh, doing various club activities. Like I know for several years now, they've been involved with the middle schools down here in a fitness program, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get the kids in the middle school age to uh, eat healthy and work out. And it's a fitness challenge where I guess if the kids maintain a certain weight or they're able to do certain exercises, they're rewarded. They, now, ought to, the they ought to do that, this. Doug. They ought to do that with Craig Heist and I. Yeah. With our fitness and nutrition. Hey, listen. I noticed some of the guys in the press <laughs> box at Oriole games. They should be doing it with them. We, yeah, okay? we, we, last, we, we last all of about 30 minutes, Doug. But uh, that's just one of the things. They have yeah. the Oriole Bird, uh, Birdland Classic, which goes to the, the Minnesota uh, baseball program, which allows kids with handicaps or in wheelchairs to play baseball. So they have several of these initiatives during the year, obviously during spring training. 
So I, I think everybody knows by now that the Orioles are Sarasota's uh, spring training team. And, um, and it's shown in the attendance through the years, even though this year's attendance might be a shade down from past years. I want to get to that in a moment, but uh, they came out with some – the Orioles sent out a press release about five, six weeks ago about the economic impact that they've had on the Sarasota area. Uh, it's pretty astounding over their time there. Yeah, I mean, some of those numbers, you hear numbers like uh, $70 million, $80 million. You have some people who dispute those numbers. They want to know really what goes in, what comprises those numbers. But if you, you know, if you look at all the people that from the Mid Atlantic region have discovered Sarasota, I, I venture to guess that before ten, yeah, you know, not many people in the Baltimore area knew what Sarasota was or, or where Sarasota even was on the map in relation to Florida. But I, I know they've come down here in droves. They spend money. They get hotel rooms. They spend money in the economy. So if you factor in everything that's spent down here, there, there are millions of dollars. I'm not about to put a, a, a definitive number on it, but the impact is felt down here. All you got to do is drive around during spring training and see all the cars, all the, all the out-of-state plates, and it tells you that people from out of the, uh, the state are down in here enjoying the beaches but enjoying spring training. That is a big, big draw now uh, for this region. Uh, that, that note that you gave us that attendance is down a little bit, can you find an? Is it because the team was last place last year and had such a nothing off season until they actually got there? Could that have affected attendance and travel, perhaps? Uh, I think it's like a lot of things, Stan. It's never one individual factor. I think spring training starting a little bit earlier mm -hmm. may have uh, dissuaded some people for, from coming down here. Uh, you know, I don't know if what a team does in the offseason. I mean, you're going to come down here for spring training, but you're coming down here to enjoy the sun. You're down here to enjoy the surf. You're in down here to enjoy the Florida lifestyle for a couple of weeks. So whether a team acquired a pitcher or didn't acquire a pitcher, is that really going to decide whether you come down to Florida or not? I'll tell you what, Stan. I mean, the prices down here are pretty outrageous. I mean, whether it's for a ticket or whether it's for parking. Parking costs more than a ticket in a lot of stadiums. And then you pay $9 for a foot-long hot dog. You're paying $7 for a beer. Uh, you're paying $3 for a bag of chips. I mean, it's just – and that can dissuade some people from making the trip down here. Uh, maybe that's a broader statement on the economy as a whole. Yeah. But I think there are several reasons why attendance maybe has been a slight tick uh, lower than in past years. They've had five sellouts. Maybe they'll have another one tonight for their final home game. But uh, it, it is noticeable. I'll be interested to see the, the, the numbers when they come out uh, after this last home game tonight. Doug, let me ask you this. In terms of just the actual area, and it's, uh, as Stan said, the Orioles within the community, if, if somebody goes down there, the one thing I hear most uh, uh, from a lot of people that, that make that venture or that trip every year is the fact that you have the different keys around Sarasota. You have all the brand-new restaurants that have cropped up there just in the last eight, nine years since the Orioles have been there. I mean, this this has become, you know, when the Orioles trained in a, in, in a rat hole of a stadium in Fort Lauderdale, but you always had Fort Lauderdale as the attraction. Yeah, and solid golf. And, <laughs> and, and, a, and a lot of different things. But, <laughs> not a neon. No, not a neon, no neon in Sarasota. Sarasota, solid though. Gold. What, what is that? I am not. Well, it's, what it's, what, it's what they give infielders, you know, the gold gloves. 
<laughs> had, I had to get that back very on track. Different, very different type of gold. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, when you think about all the things that fans have a chance to do in Sarasota, I mean, it's just not baseball. It's the entire package. No, no, no. I've been I've been down here 31 years. I came down here in 1987 when the Chicago White Sox were training at Old Payne Park, which uh-huh. uh, is no longer around. And this was a sleepy beach community. I came down in the middle of season, January of 87, and I'm wondering, where is everybody? Well, those days are gone. Uh, you know, spring training contributes to that, but I think people have just discovered Sarasota. They've discovered yeah. the West Coast. I think it's the best place to live in all of Florida. I think it's much more desirable than Lauderdale and the Miami area. And you're right, with people have come restaurants, have come more things to do. It's always been an artsy sort of theater type play type of community, uh, more so than a sports community. But I think all of that has sort of come to the fore with the uh, tremendous amount of people that come down here now. I just cannot believe, you know, forget the last five or six years, the last 30 years, how this place has turned from a sleepy beach community into really a thriving mid-city, middle-type town. We got a skyline. We got every restaurant under the sun. We got, you know, celebrities that come down here. We have our own film festival. We have so much stuff that wasn't here when I first got down here. And it's because people are discovering the lifestyle here on the West Coast is a little more relaxed, a little more laid back than the East Coast. And it's appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, that film festival, by the way, is going to have Steve Gutenberg, who starred in Diner, Back in the early '80s, and Virginia Matson are going to be the two big celebrities coming to that. That is, last year they had Sophia Loren. That, that's an amazing world world renowned film festival. Well, we, we've we've kind of stepped back from Sophia Loren to Steve Gutenberg. Right, right. I, I mean, who's next? Don Wells next year? I mean, it's you know, it's. <laughs> we, she is we still alive. Going the other direction here, she guys. is still alive. We're talking with Doug Fernandez. Doug. I caught your piece the other day um, when you went around and talked to the the folks in the stands about what the Cobb signing meant to them, and you you reached out to people from Maryland, uh, needless to say. Tell me a little bit about your take on how they felt about that, and then give me two two other stories that were interesting uh, to come out of this camp. Well, I just heard what you guys were talking about earlier. I mean, I'm not the Oriole aficionado. I'm from the Boston area, so I know the Red Sox. But if I'm an Oriole fan, I'm excited about this year's team. Now, do I think they're going to win 97 games like that fan told me in the stands? Right. I nearly dropped my pen when I heard that. I mean, for a team to win 97 games, everything has to go right. But if I'm an Oriole fan, I am psyched about this team. Uh, Listen, they're going to bash balls, right? They're going to hit home runs. They're going to play decent defense. It always comes down to starting pitching with this team. And I think they got starters that they can roll out there. You know, this is not the 71 Orioles, right? This is not Cuellar, McNally, Dobson, and Palmer. But these are guys, I think, on any given day, they'll give the team a chance to win. And if this team is going to win, if this team is going to score five, six runs a game, you know, your starter really doesn't have to do all that much because you've got a great bullpen who could pick them up in the sixth inning on. So, you know, if you look at the Central Division, wild card out of that division, the West, you know, the East, everybody's talking about uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox. But if they bash each other's brains out, that could allow a team like the Orioles to sort of sneak up there. I think the Cobb addition is is spectacular. Mm -hmm. It came within their price range. He's got to stay healthy. We know he's had problems with health before, but he's a proven winner. 
I, I looked up his stats against the other AL East teams, and every record, every ELA was very, very respectable against all the teams. And you, you guys know, when you have a starter out there, release pressure on the rest of the guys. Uh, from one through five, Tillman has to come through. You know, Kashner has been what he's been. But all these guys are dependable, I think, starters, reliable guys. I don't think the Orioles have had that for quite a few years. Stan, you talk about other stories. I think Santander has been a really uh, good story. Yep. You know, he's put up numbers in the minor leagues. He's a Rule 5 guy. Uh, he was going to make the team even before a guy like Trumbo got hurt. So I think that just accentuates uh, his chances to make the team. And I think another story that bears watching going forward is uh, Tim Beckham's defense at third. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's had a nice spring hitting the ball. But, uh, you know, when the bullets start flying for real, uh, I think that's a story to watch just to see how he makes the transition from shortstop over the, over the third base. But, man, when you look at the rest of the team, these guys bash. I mean, they bash as well as anybody in that division. So if they can put up five, six runs a game like they always do, this pitching staff might surprise some people this year and keep this team close. Manny Machado's in his walk year, and that leads mm. me to believe that he is just going to have a monster season. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, you know, I thought this move over the shortstop when he asked to move the shortstop, frankly, I think that maybe that was to accentuate his a performance going forward. If Manny proves that he can play shortstop for a year, that just increases his value in the free agent market. You know, I thought the Orioles maybe should have made a move on him earlier. I mean, do you guys think they're going to really pony up the money? Would Manny take a hometown discount? Or, or is Manny going to be looking for the top dollar from wherever it comes from? I think that's the question. I think, uh, I think both sides have kind of checked out on the whole process. I, I do too, and I think also when you think about not just him, but Bryce Harper, you have to kind of wonder where this is going to go now when we've seen free agency and what has happened to it in the last two seasons. Yeah, everybody has been talking about how there's been – everybody's holding their dollars in anticipation of this. I don't buy that for a second. And I don't think those numbers of 350 to $400 million, I just don't see the teams – you tell me that the Yankees, if the Yankees win the World Series or come darn close to it, with with the contracts they've got to come up with with Judge and Sanchez and Severino over the next couple of years, they're not going to pony up three hundred million dollars for Manny Machado. I'm sorry, ain't going to happen. Well, well listen, right off the bat, there's only a handful of teams that can afford that money, right? That's my point. And then yeah. you've got you to eliminate what teams are, really have an opening. That sounds stupid to think, that you can always create an opening yeah. for Manny Machado. But if a team is set at shortstop and third base, they're not going to go after him. So that eliminates even more teams. Huh. Uh, I think Manny's going to have a monster year. I think Manny is happy. I think he's focused. Yep. I think... You see, you've seen guys in their free agent year, man, they just turn it on, whatever the sport is, whether it's football, baseball, or basketball. When they're playing for their next paycheck, it seems to motivate these guys a little bit. And, you know, you talk about checking out, Stan. You know, the Orioles have money committed to Davis. Now they have money committed to Cobb. I mean, is the money even there to pay for a guy? Right, like and they got Joe? scope coming up after the – not right. this year, that's, but next year. That's the larger issue is why they're not uh, – and I'm really interested to, to hear from management now whether they're going to try and be proactive because I think you're talking about saving 60 to 
$75 million yeah. by trying to get Scope signed now as opposed to waiting till he drives in 100 runs again and is really considered a great player after this year, I would be trying to sign him right now before the season started. Well, I, I, I know he has one more arbitration year eligible, right? Right. Next, right. Year, next year they can take him to arbitration or, or, or they can sign him to another one-year deal or they can sign him to a long-term but contract. Next year, but next year, if they don't sign him, next year they'll be at, at the exact same point with him that they are with Machado. Why would you want to wait that long to get it done? Or, or does a guy like that want to test the free agent market? Does he realize that the Orioles are not going to give him top dollar, and does he want to see what's out there? But you, you guys talked about Machado. You know, a long-term deal with him, it would seem to make sense because, you know, the Red Sox weren't going to give J.D. Martinez seven years because he's already over 30 years old. Right. A guy like Machado, you give he's him a seven-year yeah, contract, it only carries him. Till his, you know, early to mid thirties, when he still should be a viable, you know, a productive player. So it might be an exception with a guy like that, whose best years are still kind of in front of him. Doug Fernandez, he writes for the Herald Tribune in Sarasota. Doug, we appreciate your coming on. Always a pleasure to see you down there each year. Stan, a uh, uh, pleasure, and uh, feel free to, to give me a jingle anytime during the year. Love uh, uh, sa- sharing time with you. Guys. Sounds good. Uh, and say hi to R. A. Dickey if you see him. <laughs> hey, he's uh, he's taking the bus here. I think he's pitching the seventh, eighth, ninth inning tonight, Stan. You may get your wish here. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, you Doug. Guys. All right. There you have Doug Fernandez of the Herald Tribune in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, and we, that's still not a bad idea. What's that? All right, right, Dickie. I think it's a gr- I still think it's a great idea. I'd rather have him these next couple weeks. I'd rather have him in the fold mm. if Tillman doesn't come around or if – you know, again, we love Bundy, what he can bring to the table. We love Gosman. We love Cobb. If somebody gets hurt, I don't want to go back to Mike Wright well, or, but, or but here's Gabriel the thing. and Noah. Here's the thing. You know that's going to happen, whether it's yep. whether it's a long-term DL situation yeah, or, three weeks or, or whether it's a two- or three-week thing. You know that's going to happen. All right. We're going to take a timeout. We want to remind you one more time that if you want to follow a little special coverage of the March for our lives today in Washington, go visit our sister uh, publication, Jaymore, at their website, jaymoreliving.com, all day today for live updates from the March for Our Lives. We've got about 10 young kids from the Pikesville area embedded uh, that are going to be making reports all day. All right, we'll take a time out, come back, and kick this uh, dog down the road. All right. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Ginsburg profiles Orioles sage sophomore Trey Mancini after a breakout rookie campaign. We also preview all aspects of the 2018 Orioles and look ahead to the NFL draft. 
Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com impact. They're strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. The experts at Towson Orthopedic Associates understand that sports injuries can happen at any time. That is why we are extending our practice hours until 7.30 p.m. Monday through Thursday at our Bologna Avenue location. A sports medicine specialist will be on site to better treat injuries when they happen. We stay late because you play late. For more information, visit TowsonOrtho.com slash after hours. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and they're simply orange juice. Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. I'm Jill Powell. Each day I'll bring you the latest from the floor of the Maryland General Assembly. I'll speak with the newsmakers and feature the sound that is shaping the future of Maryland. Be sure to catch the Maryland Capitol Report at any time at MarylandNewsNetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Okay. <laughs> and I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. All right, we are back, and I meant to say kick the, the, the stone the can down, down the kick road. Kick the can down the road. Yeah. Not kick the dog. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's what happens when your mind gets to be 66 years of age. You keep using that excuse. and I've, uh, I look, that's, look, you've been this way as long as I've known you. I don't think so. I used to be a pretty sharp guy on the air. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm welcoming in Rick, Rick, Rich Border. Rich Bordick, Bordick, right. Yeah, and then I referred to him, Craig, thanks for coming in. Right. Yeah, I didn't do things like that when I was 39, 44, 51. I did other things, but I didn't do (laughs) those things. It just got progressively worse, It's getting worse. It's getting worse. All right, anyway, we want to remind you that uh, tomorrow morning at this time slot, Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard here with the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You're not going to mention me? I'm going to – I'll be here. He'll be here. That's right. You will be here. I'll be here. All right. Thank you. Uh, but you're here. Oh, that's five hard work. Days you're no, I'll, five I, days. I was just counting. I'll be here. I'll be here thirteen straight mornings. 
Okay. No days off. And that's above and beyond the call right, right there. That's above and beyond the call. Above and beyond the call. <laughs> no days. Hashtag no days off. Hashtag no days off. All right. Uh, Kyle Ottenheimer and Glenn Clark will be a part of Glenn Clark Radio Monday through Friday from 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. And then next Saturday you're in, right? I do believe so, yeah. Not like P, you're in. Right. Well, well, wait a minute. Wait. Yeah, uh, the Orioles uh, Saturday game is what, 1 o'clock start? I'm not sure. 105, so. Is it 105 start? I think so on Saturday. I'm a, I'm a, I'm All right. Just for like one Saturday. All right. So be. it starts again. You're gone. Yeah. You're gone. Well, no. no. I don't have to be. I can leave here and get down there. Actually, it, do, it works fine when you're not here but aren't doing the Masson show. Then I have one less guest to get. Mm -hmm. So I've got you for 20 minutes or so. Right. All right. So real quick before we uh, close out, are we saying Orioles are a playoff team? Craig Heist. I'm going to say they're at least a wild card team. Sure. I mean, I think they have as good a chance as that second wild card as any team in, in the American League. I think it's going to be a hell of a battle with the Minnesota Twins, the Angels, Seattle, and Toronto, all grouped close together within about my, five to seven games. My good buddy, Alan McCallum. Yeah. Uh, Po I remember that name? Right, posted he used to write for press box right, when exactly. we first started. Posted something online on Facebook earlier this right. week that said, "With the Cobb signing, I'm much more excited about this team this year than I have been in years." Yeah. And my thought was, well, what were your thoughts on the team before 12, before 14, and before 16? Mm -hmm. Because nobody thought in any of those years that the Orioles were going to be a playoff team, including 14 when they ran away with the Eastern Division. I thought 14 they had a good chance to be in the playoffs. I know. agree. That was the year that I think, of those ones you mentioned, that was probably the only one that I had real I, expectations. I, I in, but 12, they I were as low as they But did. in each of those years, what was the common theme? The common theme was they all year long pitching. They didn't, have enough, they didn't yeah. have enough pitching, and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you get 15 wins out of yeah. – uh, Tillman. No, no, no. Chen? No, it was uh did it today. What's his name? Gone gone. In fourteen? Yeah. Bud Norris? Bud, Bud Norris, Norris, yeah. Right. So so that was the X factor there. You didn't expect fifteen wins out of Bud Norris. Right. So I mean And then when you did expect it in fifteen, you got about you got Yeah. You got high cock. That's right. What you got, as they say so so, so my my point is you never know how it's gonna play out. Yeah. You know you have to have a certain amount of starting pitching. All right, and so in this particular case, you're hoping that guys bounce back, have good years and, and are able to perform up to their capability. All right. That does wrap up our show for the day. Thanks to Craig Heist, thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer. I'm Stan the Fan. If you missed parts of the show, you can check them out on the archives at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And now I can go or, back to being Hollywood. Or look it up on Facebook, uh, on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. That's it for this week. Have a great week ahead and enjoy opening day.